when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs, 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 clubs. I think because we're because we're not live, mate. I can express my my true feelings about the club. Um, and I, yeah, just before we actually do go live, I think we should liquidate. I honestly think we should liquidate. Um, there's no point carrying on. What do you think? I think so. I think yeah. So. Just time to like lo- losing in that way at Stamford Bridge. And having lost eighteen games so far this season already, I just think like, what's the what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Like, teams aren't allowed to have bad games, so you know not. you're meant to win every single game. You're meant to win, and also in the most competitive league in the world, it's pretty embarrassing we don't win every single game by at least I mean? three goals. By at least three. Anyway, let, let's go live now. Let's go live. Welcome back <laughs> to TDK Live. How are you all doing? I, I, I joke about that, but I also, are we actually live? Because uh, none of my little things have come up. Um, how are live. you, Rohan? This is live for me as well. Is it live? Yeah, yeah. We're good. Looks like it. Looks like it. How are you, sir? Doing okay. Doing okay. You know, um, we'll obviously dissect it, but I think mm. yesterday's emotions... When I'm looking at the balance of play, but again, we've obviously rewatched it and stuff. Um, I was actually happy to come away with a point given how um, the game kind of unfolded. But um, now I'm looking back at it. I also think a lot of the narrative that you know we spoke about and some of the comments about how Chelsea outplayed us is just not true. Um, you know, it was just a case of, and we'll go into it a little bit deeper. Arsenal didn't play very well, but Chelsea didn't outplay us. You know, and that's like at baseline. The kind of surface level analysis I would start yep. with. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a disappointing evening, um, and you know we came away from that feeling very uh, yeah disappointed is probably the word. But I also we just watched the game back for uh, for a rewatch available for TDK patrons uh, and members on YouTube. Um, it just wasn't as bad as I think people it may have felt. Let's let's go with that because I don't I don't want to I don't want to bash people. People can have their opinions. And I'm only joking around, but like I felt bad about it, and I was like, you know, it's it, it felt like a really hard evening, and it felt like one of those nights yeah. where you just go, oh god, it was, you know, it was, and it's been raining, it's raining for both teams, um, yeah, and I, you know, and you know, it was it was sort of pissing it down, and we're against them, and Mudrick scores, and you know, he gets you know, he gets lobbed, it's a bullshit penalty, and it all just feels a little bit rubbish, right? But actually, if you go back and watch it, I think the problems are fairly clear, which is probably a a good thing in many in many senses. It's like you know anything in your own life. You, you when you have a problem that you're like, at least I know what it is. Like I know I know that there's a problem, but I, I know how it might not might not be easy, but it is straightforward what the problem is, and I th- I think we can see what it is personally. And also, teams do just have bad games. You have bad games in a season. That happens. And we never want, when it comes to it, and I'm not trying to be overly positive or protect anyone because Arteta got things wrong. We played poorly. There were some really poor performances. But at the same time, we have to put it in a context and try and try and bring some some uh, some context. And, you know, we've done the rewatch. We watched it back. We probably said the same things that we've already said. But yeah. um, it is a case of, for me, 
it's not just a case of Arsenal didn't perform the level that we're expecting. That's been the case for a lot of the games this season, even though that it hasn't been anywhere near as bad as what has been made out to be. But at the same time, teams have adapted well to Arsenal. And, you know, we spoke about it, some of the tweaks that they are making and how we are struggling to access the centre. That's one aspect, right? And at the start of the season, I felt certain things that we were doing were by choice. But as the season has unfolded, and I've been watching more games, you know, obviously watching every game back and seeing repetitive patterns that teams are doing in their block out of position week mm. in, week out. And it is one of the biggest reasons as to why we are struggling to find the centre. And to just go briefly into it, last season, Arsenal's predominant build-up shape, you know, and we say predominant because it's not always the case. Everything's situational in terms of how the team, what type of team you're you're facing. We invert the left-back. We form this 3-2 shape. You know, Gabriel, Saliba, White, Zinchenko, Thomas Partey last season. Opposition teams, they usually, most of them set up in this 4-4-2 block slash 4-2-3-1, depending on um, how far we are in our build-up, how deep we are in our build-up. And when the left-back inverts, the winger followed the left-back. And what that meant is that it created space out wide on the left-hand side where we can play an out pass to the left centre mid, our, our number eight. Now, the opposition defensive midfielder won't follow him because it is leaving space between the lines. So if I can find it, I'm just trying to find it for you yeah. so we can show it on screen. Yeah, um, and I'll just keep going through it while you're doing that. As he receives it out wide, he's going to have space and then he can fire inside where the centre forward can drop and you can overload the defensive midfielder. And that's how we access the centre many times last season. Zinchenko did an interview about it and how my positioning is so key in terms of how it moves the winger. This season, teams aren't doing that. Teams are allowing the number 10 in that 4-4-2 and the centre forward. Both are screening our pivot when we do invert. And the winger is staying wider in that midfield four and remaining compact and stopping the entry pass into the half space because it's it's partnerships from, from Chelsea's perspective. It's a partnership between Sterling and Caicedo and Mudrick and Enzo. They have to stop the entry into the half space. And that's what teams do. And you can see it here. Um, this, is, this is the perfect example for it because last <laughs> last season Sterling would be where Zinchenko is Sterling would come and try and man mark Zinchenko because you know that is a significant threat and that is leaving out space for a Gabriel to drive forward and then you can get your number eight to receive it there as well and then you can access the centre by centre forward dropping in and you're overloading the defensive midfielder this season it is the, up, the two up top Palmer and Gallagher the number 10 and striker who are screening that pivot and are not allowing them time on the ball, and the winger is staying wider, and they're keeping that four behind the front line. So it's making it harder for us to access centre. And what that means is that Jorginho and Zinchenko, they are stepping out wide, outside the block to receive, because that is the only way in which they're going to be able to get on the ball. You know, And, and that is one of the issues as to why we're struggling to get through the centre. But then we spoke about it on the rewatch, where I think it's being rinsed too much in terms of why Arsenal are not able to access centre, because there are other ways in which you can still cause teams problem and we spoke about it and we'll probably talk about it more in terms of i think you know you can beat a press you can beat a team by going through them around them or over and i think we should be trying to go more over the top and by doing that you need to pick the right players mm. and someone like kai havertz i think would have been such a good addition in this game now I, I wasn't i didn't complain the team lineup when it came out so that would be a hypocrite of me to say no the team so lineup was wrong but I think Arteta could have adapted quicker and made changes quicker to yep. try and give us a different avenue. And you spoke about it, and sorry to waffle on, but you spoke about it how, you know, it's, 
it's, it's, it's not fair to just say, oh, he got the subs wrong. You, you got to dive into it a little bit deeper. No, bringing Kai Havertz on gives us a different avenue. It's not just a change in sub. It's a change in which you can, it's how you can play slightly differently to cause teams different challenges and problems. Yeah. I want to come back on on that. Um, ap- apologies. I can't see, for some reason, StreamYard isn't working. Uh, so I can't see your comments. I can't put them on the screen, but I can read them out. So I can see them on YouTube. I just got to sort of refresh the page on YouTube. Um, yeah. Um, uh, just on the subs thing quickly then. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, it, it's fairly not easy, but it's a, it's a fairly, it's common to just say, yes. well, the, 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 he got the subs wrong. And it's like, well, if we won, you wouldn't be saying that. So you're saying it is a results-based thing. What we can do, what can we control? What can we control about the subs? And we can control when they happen, exactly. how they happen and what happened. And then when you look at that, you go, right, okay. So I think he, I think Arteta at times has been too, not proactive enough, essentially, is is, is how, how I would characterize it. And I think this is another example of him. I think we did a similar thing against... Spurs, if I'm not mistaken, there's a number of rewatches we've said that he was he wasn't sort of reactive enough, uh, and I think he was he was too late because, as you say, when that team sheet came out, I went, ah, okay, great, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. I thought, all right, no party, that's you know fine, yeah, it's a choice. We have some really good midfielders, and they all need game time, and you know every game calls for different things. And I thought, okay, we're going to try and dictate the middle, we're going to try and really control it, we're going to try and you know spray balls out, Jorginho switching, whatever. That didn't happen. Now. Uh, I'll talk about the problem then then the solution. I think as you were kind of mentioning, our problem is we are in- incredibly one-dimensional. Incredibly. We're quite one-dimensional at the minute in the sense that it's a lot of playing it, U-shape. It's a lot of passes into midfield that come straight back out. We're not finding ways to switch it out to the wings. Yeah. We're not finding ways to break the lines. We're not finding ways to go, as you mentioned, over, through, or round. It's all pretty much one pace, one one movement. I have an, a more uh, hotter take about why that's happening, as you, which you know, uh, which we'll come to a little bit later. But I also think a lot of this um, is down to a misprofiling the midfield from yesterday, in my opinion. I think we, it's easy to say after the fact, I thought, uh, but I think we gave them too much respect. I think we sort of thought, okay, well, Gallagher, Enzo, Fernandez, they can uh, and uh, Casado, sorry, they can kill you. They can absolutely kill you. And you know, we, let's 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 make sure that we we don't give them the ball and we win those balls really high up the pitch. And so I think that's why we put Declan further up to try and win those balls. And we saw it. We saw it in the rewatch, and you can see it. Declan is trying to stop those transitions early. I think that's how Arteta thought that they would break us. Um, and I think he put Jorginho there in order to t- kind of counter that f- that sort of the running power into more of a, a dictator. So he, he sort of thought, okay, if we can metronome the game better than they can run against us, we can probably yeah. win this. I think that's basically what he thought, right? But the problem was, when well, the access to the eights, when you have eights in that kind of, not form, but you know, in, in that sort of game, when the, the surface is slippy, everything's bouncing off Erdegaard, everything's bouncing off Rice. And then when you do get it in there, the execution is so poor, that entire game plan falls down. He's he's relying on the eights being obviously you know the eights being being useful in attack and when it's not happening and when you're seeing we're unable to access centrally when you're seeing the midfield is still I thought basically I'm trying to say the midfield was the problem and when everything around it the spokes of the wheel aren't working and when you don't change it quick enough that's when I start to go okay yeah. that's when the subs were wrong 
because it's like it didn't nothing changed soon enough. I saw the idea, but I think broadly those are my feelings in terms of the problems. And then the solution is is every match. How do you make the balance of the midfield right? It's not going to be right every week. That happens. It wasn't right. I'd like to see him change it sooner. I can see the idea. I don't think it worked because of execution problems and because, for example, Rice as well, I think was a little bit misprofiled in this game, trying to fizz the ball into him and expect him to do things in the final third, but that's not really what he does. I would have preferred him as the presence of the base of the midfield or Partey. When all that comes together and then the changes aren't made quick enough, that was my main issue. And, you know, if we're looking at Arteta and the subs that he's made this season, his subs, nine times out of ten this season, have made the impact. They've made the impact. It's just a case of the timing of the subs. because, And that's the key, right? Because if you look at yesterday's game, our squad got us that point. How we used our squad. Tom Yesu came on. Yeah. I think we should talk about it. I didn't, we didn't talk about it. the rewatch, but it was outstanding. Um, yeah. Trossard came out and made the impact. Kai Havertz came on, made the impact. Millsmith Rowe was very lively when he moved into the right half space. The subs made the impact, but the subs were a little bit delayed. And I think for yeah. me, when you are struggling to progress in certain, certain areas of the pitch, you need to find different ways. And we did it, but we did it a little bit too late. And mm -hmm. that's the frustration. You know, we talk about, you, you mentioned the point of switches and we spoke about it on the rewatch, how this game, you know, we saw very minimal switches to the far side. You know, what Chelsea did so well is that when we did play into Saka and Martinelli out wide at a slow pace, Cucurella was on Saka, clamped him really well in the first half, was very aggressive, mm -hmm. unsettled him, same as Gusto and Martinelli. How are you able to give them more space then if they're blocking the centre? It's mm. by shifting that block one side and then switching it quickly and switching it, switching it with intent. And that's what we didn't do in that first half. But we watched, you know, Saliba, Jorginho, both guilty. The other thing is that, again, I was very happy with the lineup, but the only player that I'd want, I wanted in the side was Thomas Partey because I'm looking at a Thomas Partey and um, a Declan Rice pivot. It's one of the best in the world. You have mm. so much quality there. You have so much variety, technical technical quality, tactical flexibility, etc. Physical quality. You know, so, yeah, and, and Jorginho, I didn't think, had a bad game when I watched it back. I thought he had a really good game in terms of the qualities that he has, but his qualities were not transferable to what we could have done in this game. And we saw mm. many moments where he'd receive it, and the space is there because Chelsea are blocking the middle. They're screening our pivot, Gallagher and Palmer, and they're also intelligently pressing our centre-backs and keeping them in their shadow to make sure they can't receive it in that space. So Jorginho is mm. coming wider, Zinchenko is coming wider. And they're happy for Jorginho to have the ball in those scenarios. And it actually has good um, pros to it because it pushes white higher and wider. Mm. It pushes Saka inside, closer to goal. Um, but there's space for Jorginho to carry it forward. And that's where you think something like a Thomas party. And what's that Pep Guardiola quote where he says, when, you face, when you're a team that is so good, you are analyzed at such a at nanometer level you know you are literally under the microscope teams are respecting you they're playing these blocks players who carry the ball commit opposition players to come out mm. of that block and it opens up space because they can't just sit off they will commit if you keep carrying it forward and that's another aspect i think we lacked in the midfield some like thomas party could have given us but Perhaps he was not fully fit to play the game as well. That's the other mm. yeah. side of it as yeah. well. So it's but again, I yeah. don't have any complaints with the team. It's just looking yeah. at certain things that we could have done better. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And look, we're all smart after the fact, right? We're all we're we're all smart saying, you know, I've got we've got a comment. Sorry, I can't, I wish I could put it on screen. Um it's from uh Tanzil. No, sorry, it's from Jay Archie who says we played a team with a midfield full of runners and started Jorginho and 
Jay, I hear, I hear it. Like, you know, that, that, I think once, once that happens and you see how Chelsea is setting up, yeah, I, I would have changed it sooner. But when the team news came out and the idea was put on paper, I don't think anyone was, everyone was going, okay, well, we can try and dictate this against, against the runners. We probably thought Chelsea were going to be a little bit more higher. I, I, th yeah. I think Arteta probably thought they're going to be higher. And Jorginho in that first phase, getting out and around. So did I. Um, yeah to receive it between lines in the first phase he's one of the best in the world at that so that, i think that would have made more sense and to be the sort of player who can receive in that first first line but when they're sat off a little bit more and you're asking Jorginho to do different things to progress the play it's not quite exactly the the, the best person in the right in, in the job for that so teams surprise you and that happens and and i just my only complaint is it didn't it didn't change sooner yeah. um where else can we go with this i i, I want to cover raya i think um some complaints about Raya's performance. I said it on the rewatch. Look, when you have a keeper whose starting position is that high, there's a reason for that. And there's, and you can go look at the numbers. He is starting in a, in a higher position than Ramsdale. I think we said it. We might have said it. On, actually, no, I think we, uh, we said, said it, it a while ago. But, um, <laughs> quote of the live so far. We said it on the rewatch. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, but the, the, like the, the idea that Ramsdale was talking about uh, Arteta and he said something along the lines of oh yeah well we've almost like come to a compromise about yeah. like where I start on the pitch and I'm like yeah you think that <laughs> you think oh well, I'll come to a compromise and Arteta's gone okay you're not going to do that that's fine you do that for now and then in the summer I'm going to replace you like I'm almost certain that's what's going to happen uh, that's what's happened and you can see Raya look at the heat maps he is further out now that is going to save you X amount of transition goals per season. I would argue five, six, seven. Someone might say two or three. Someone might say nine or ten. But I think it's gonna it's gonna save you a number of transition goals with your goalie when you're playing that high up the pitch, when you have all the field tilt, when you're up there. Saliba and Gabriel can't do everything. Riot is part of our transition control to stop the ball coming so uh over us so quick. You are going to concede goals where you're lobbed every so often once in a while. We saw it Ramsdale at Sporting Lisbon last season, and this is Riot's. And it won't. It probably won't happen again. I, I'm, I'm almost certain it won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, he says, touching wood. Um, and yeah, I, I just think like the the ultimately in the end, you have to consider what is the payoff. My goalkeeper's starting position, meaning he can claim crosses better, meaning he can be more involved, meaning he can be the third centre back, meaning you can commit someone further up. All the positive impacts you have of a goalkeeper starting that high compared to the one or two times a season when a cross, a fluky cross goes in and they score a goal. I just think like ultimately you're never going to have a perfect situation. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to have a player who's perfect. You're not going to have a team that's perfect. You have to ask yourselves, what are the what are the, the maximal strengths we can have and the minimal weaknesses, but you can never create a world where you're not going to have any weaknesses. It's going to happen. So choose wisely. Yeah. With David Raya, I think there's a lot of narratives that are going around. I think it's been pushed by Sky, Gary Neville, um, to be specific, um, with these comments of Raya looking nervous. I don't think Raya's looking nervous. I think Raya is making mistakes. Raya's making mistakes. And that's all right, right? Because he's came from a team at Brentford where it's a completely different style and environment. It's about hitting those longer range passes into Tony, yeah. him winning that first contact and you just bypassing all that pressure and getting upfield. And you notice Raya when Havertz came on, the difference in terms of how more, how much more effective he was in that aspect because that's what he's comfortable with. This season, if we look at David Raya, right? And I still want him to be starting games in the Premier League. I, I'm still very much 
I'm very happy for Mikel Arteta to continue to pursue him because he's doing certain things that he can do that Ramsdale can't do. And that's not to say mm. Ramsdale is a poor goalkeeper because I don't think there's much... No, that is what you're saying. You, you hate him. <laughs> you think he's rubbish. <laughs> but I think if we look at David Raya at surface level, right, he, he's had poor performances against Spurs. He wasn't good against Lons. First half against Man City wasn't great. This game, he had some poor moments, but he also had some good moments. So it hasn't been... He's not set the world alight. But what David Raya can do is what you said. He can play higher. And what that does, when you're playing against these blocks... It also commits them to come out of their block as well if you've got a goalkeeper who's willing to keep rolling the ball, rolling the ball, and then to create a bit of space and to play at the last second. That's the difference between him and Ramsdale, where Ramsdale, I don't think he wants to make a mistake and lose possession in that manner. He will still fire it between the lines. He will still show that bravery, but there's a little bit more anxiousness in terms of how he does it relative to David Raya. So that is one of the biggest reasons. And also... We spoke about it in the Bournemouth rewatch how David Rye is playing as this kind of left centre-back and also we saw it in moments against Chelsea as well. And what that does is that it allows you to kind of push an extra player further forward so that when you do beat the press, if a team is pressing, you can overload the final third quicker. So these are the things that David Rye can do that Aaron Ramsdale can't, not, not say he can't do, but he's not comfortable doing and we've seen the interview as well in that in that manner. So it's it's a case of You've got to give him time because mm. he has came from a different style, a different mm. different way and, uh, of playing, and a different pressure and a different, and a different expectation. Pressure. You know, playing so out of Brentford. I don't think. I, I just think I don't think anyone's saying that Raya is like, has been perfect. Like yeah, he, he, has, he hasn't. Yeah. Like it's fine. But I think also we have to contextualize that it isn't Raya's perfect or his dog. That's it. It's like you know, there's there's shades of grey. Um, I want to come to a couple of comments it's so uh, annoying i can't see any of them <laughs> yeah it's frustrating you can go on youtube if you want to have a look at them um and just pause the live and then it will it keeps updating um i think uh, i saw faisal had the same issue earlier uh where are we uh oh that was it uh connor kemp honestly think neville is on ramsdale's pay- payroll at this point and yeah like look, i don't want to just every week on about neville but i just want you guys please is in the world not you guys (laughs) you everyone he just picks a narrative at the beginning of the game and reverse engineers everything and he said something along the lines of like oh look look Chelsea have split Arsenal centre-backs here so yeah we play with split centre-backs Gary like what what are you on about what are you on (laughs) have you watched a game in the last like five years everyone's splitting their centre-backs now um absolutely bizarre Ivan Smith, thoughts on the two penalty incidents? I think we said earlier, like... I think he's referring to the Sanchez one as well. We yeah, we'll come to that, that one. Yeah. But the, the Saliba one, I don't blame Saliba. I don't blame Mudrit. I don't blame the ref. I don't blame Chelsea. I don't blame anyone. I blame the rules. It's yeah. it's a stupid rule. And I think it's, it is open and close. It is a case of like handballs have all it's it's always been a little bit too well always the last sort of couple of years have been it's always been too easy to get sent off in terms of a handball yeah. it just need, it just needs a rule change it's that simple and i think a lot of people are done with it and look it, the argument against it is well if that happened at the other end you want a handball yeah because it's the rules but the rules are stupid <laughs> like it's a, it's a bad rule you have to use your arms when you jump like that you can see you watch that everton one like that, that he's literally like put his arm out. It, I don't want to say on purpose, but he's running with his arm in the most unnatural position. That is a handball. That's a handball. But when you're jumping and it hits your hand, come on. He said it. 
it's not cons- these rules are being made without the consideration of the players, the people who are actually playing the yeah. game. Yeah. It's a natural position. I like I, say, I I don't I don't blame the referee. I don't blame VAR. I don't blame anyone. They made the right decision going by the letter of the law. The law is just not right. It just doesn't consider the ple- the people who are playing, and everything looks so much worse slow motion. You know, you could keep looking at it frame after frame after frame, and mm. it looks so much worse than what it actually is. You know, it's 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 just yeah. The the Sanchez one, um, yeah. I think oh, I, I don't know. I think it's a pen, but I'm, it's I'm a penalty, so Alex. It's a penalty. I'm, I'm so like done with it. I just yeah. don't want to talk about VAR decisions yeah, every week. It's yeah. so boring. And it's it's one of the things that we can't control. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we could spend time talking about, it, but like it's just like we, we could let's talk about things that feel productive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not productive. It's just it's just like a it's like getting a parking ticket. It's yeah. like because when you when you haven't even parked in the wrong place, it's like, oh well. I could spend hours and hours ranting about this or just pay the fine and get exactly. on with it because yeah. even though they're wrong, like it's just, you know, I just would rather It's not. just, it's. I think it's big, everyone become numb to it at this yeah. stage as well, yeah. isn't it? It's like, it's just very simply, you know, like you saw it, Man United against Wolves, Anana, clatters in the Wolves player, should have been yeah. a penalty. Howard comes out and says, it's a mistake. We've seen exactly the same scenario. No penalty given. We'll get an apology again and then rinse and repeat. Rinse yeah. and repeat, rinse and yeah. repeat. Rinse Every and repeat. time. And that's why I just don't bother talking about it anymore as well, because it's like, I'd rather just look at the performance and things that we could have controlled in our control. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Got some comments about uh, Raya and Ramsdale I want to read out. Jacob Alexander, with Raya, the defence has to put in an 8 out of 10 performance. With Ramsdale, they can put in a 6 out of 10 and Ramsdale would cover the rest. Uh, Jacob Alexander, he's conceded two goals against teams that are willing to attack our defence. That's poor from a goalkeeper of his level. I want to come to this because, and I I don't want to over-egg the Raya pudding, as it were. I think I think a lot of this is an expectation issue where we expected Raya to come in and change our lives because he he replaced the player that we really love. We expected Raya to come in and take us from Tierney to Zinchenko. Yeah. But we did so much of we did so much growth last season that the levels of improvement were nearly at the top of European football. Lots. If you if you're at the same, you can't you can't say these two things. Arsenal should win the Premier League title. Three things. Arsenal should win the Premier League title and be challenging for 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 the UEFA Champions League. And the Premier League is the best league in the world. And also, Arsenal have loads of room to improve. <laughs> they don't. There's the the ceiling, as in the margin that the margins are finer. We can improve, of course, we can always improve. But the the margins are finer. The, the 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 ceiling of European football is here, right? It's closer, which is great. What that means is when <clears throat> players come in to improve us, they're not going to take us from sixty points to eighty points. They're going to take us from eighty five to eighty seven. It's yeah. tiny adjustments. It's little that's things. Gonna, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's little things. It's just on, it's just on the same level. It's, <laughs> it's little things. And I just finish with this. Yeah. But by every way you want to look at a goalkeeper. The long distribution, the num- the numbers do just bear out the rise better. I'm sorry, it may not feel that way, but it just does. And 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 I, you know, without sounding like a right wing commentator, facts don't care about your feelings, kind of thing. I do, you know, that is that is true, unfortunately. Then I'm looking at it in terms of how how he's been in our build up, and I think a lot of that is is narrative based. It's based around the idea that oh. 
it, Gary Neville, he looks shaky. He looks nervous. This is the way the Sanchez goal. This is how teams are asking their goalkeepers to play out. He may be nervous. He may not be nervous. It, it's kind of irrelevant. We're, we're talking about the reason why he's playing that way. If we're talking about the reason why he's playing that way, when the coach of the team is telling you, I'm asking him to do that and I love his bravery and I've seen other goalkeepers kick it long in that situation and I want him to keep it on the ground. That's telling you he's being asked to do this. So I think it there's a there's a perception with Ramsdale of like, or and I think people project their nerves onto Raya when I don't think it's fair. Now, has he been perfect? No. No, he's not. He's has, has, he, has he adapted perfectly? No. But I, I think all of those things are, are, are at play here. But he deserves time. And yeah. that's the key. Is he deserves time and an opportunity to have a larger sample size before we start making you know, conclusions that are of a small sample size. You know, yeah. And I don't have any attachments to Aaron Ramsdale. I don't have any attachments to David Wright. But what I do know and what I have understood over the past few weeks, reading things, reading quotes, watching the games back, is that David Wright can do certain things that Mikel Arteta wants. And Aaron yeah. Ramsdale clearly was not willing to do and he wasn't as comfortable yeah. doing so and that's the difference and going back to the point that you made about how the yeah the, the, the level of improvement now is incremental it is not substantial that is the difference and it's not going to be obvious yeah. to fans and, and this is why it's like when it's baffling i think this is and that's it. okay that, that's, yeah. that's that's fine as well isn't it but it's a case of arteta said it, it's very simply it's like you know 21 22 arsenal hit 69 points 22 23 arsenal hit what 84 points and he said it you know going from 69 points to 84 points is not as difficult as going from 84 points to 85 points, 85 points to 86 points, because you have to sustain that same level and do better, a mm. little bit better. You yeah. don't have you don't have the opportunity to do so much better because mm. there's not that many points available for you to do so as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. and take into consideration the money that's going into the league, the competition, the managers. It makes it so much harder, and today's game is so much harder than what it was mm. ten years ago. You know, and that's the I, difference. I, I also i i i had a mate who was really struggling to get into um to drama school when we were younger. And I remember used to say to him like the cutoff point of like the kids who are auditioning and then the kids who get in. Say this is everyone who auditions, and then the kids who auditioned and didn't get in. There's like that top percent right who got in. You could be here but you get the same result as someone here so that like you're so close, but you, you are getting this, the same result as someone who's got absolutely no talent, no hope. Yeah. I think it's a similar thing with Rams though. It's like, there's only one starting position. So it looks like he's been snubbed. I'll tell uh, hates him, whatever. It's these tiny margins, tiny, tiny margins. And, we can only look for clues. That's all we can do. And I'm looking for clues. I'm looking at the long distribution. I'm looking at what Arteta says. I'm looking at the way we play out. I'm looking at the way he puts his foot on the ball. It's different from Ramsdale. I'm looking at a number of things. And I, I'm not saying he's perfect, but I do I do, I do, do see why. And I, I also yeah. I hear those people who would say, well, you know, Ramsdale would be dropped for this. Yeah, he would. <laughs> but but Arteta sees something in Raya and you can get angry about it. You can, or, or I think it, it's better to try and understand why. That that's the difference, you know, and, you know, not every fan has to think like that. It's completely fine. It's just a case of, as, as, as opposed to saying, David Raya has made these mistakes. Therefore, if we're looking at Aaron Ramsdale being dropped for slightly less, David Raya should be dropped. No, how about you look at it and think, why is he persisting with David Raya? Ask yourself that question and then try and back calculate. It's like, you yeah, know, yeah. when you, it's like when you, you know, when you have a maths exam. It's like when Gary Neville like, reverse engineers yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, when you have those maths exams where it's like, um, 
show that this equation equals yeah, yeah. 555. You have the answer. So you have the answer. The answer right now is what Mikel Arteta is doing in terms of he is picking David Wright. That is his answer to the problems that we are potentially facing in build-up in terms of teams sitting off. We want to play higher. So now back calculate for yourself and try and understand why he's playing him, yeah. you know, and, and understand that methodology and that theory. And, you know, you may still not agree with it. And that's yeah, fine. But, but fine. try and broaden your thinking. That's that's the way I would say. So, yeah. Uh... I've just put the link to StreamYard in the description. So if you want to join us on the show in the second half, you can do that now. I've got the link in the description. Some of you ask at the beginning of the show why there's no link, uh, and it's because we only do it in the second half of the show now, uh, and it says it on the little thing here. Uh, so stream the second half of the show, 30 minutes on. Uh, so yeah, that should be good. How... I want to. I want to go back to the the kind of the this set. Oh, we got one me already. So let's let's go to him in a second. Um, I want to go back to the central access thing, and and slightly sort of press on that a little bit. We talked about the difference in you. You mentioned the difference in the block and how teams are, are changing how they they deal with our sort of inverted fullback, which I think is a great point and and and, and massive. I think a lot of this is is bravery. Yeah, I think a lot of this is bravery. And I think I just want to hammer the point that like I'm not off, I'm not in any way. It's nice to watch that intricate internal play that Wenger does, whatever. Like that's nice to watch as a fan, but I don't really care. Like if it's if it's you can go through over and around. And the problem against Chelsea was a number of issues. We were we and we couldn't do that. But when we did, the eights were playing with beach balls. But I think also we're not we're not exhausting every option to play through teams. We're not exhausted, and we're not finding the solutions on the pitch at the same at the in the in the game we're going right when you just need to persist with this and i wonder how much you think that is coaching instruction and saying you know keep playing this way keep playing this way and how much maybe Arteta needs to adapt and say actually do you know what this isn't working let's let's go along let's try some switches let's carry let's put on someone sooner i think that's that's my main issue it's not that it didn't work because things don't work my issue is they're not changing yeah, and I think we, we spoke about it, how you know there are things that we could have done differently to kind of combat that block and what Chelsea were giving us. And just like in many other games when we're facing these low blocks, and this is going to be throughout the season because we are a team now that has been assessed and analysed under a microscope at nanometer level. And that is yeah. because when you are good, everyone watches you. Every single team watches you. And they think to themselves, how are we going to stop this Arsenal team? Last season, Arsenal hit, what, 50 points after 19 games. That's a ridiculous level. So, yeah. you know, and this is why Pep Guardiola is a genius, because we talk about all the money, etc. However, you still have to take into consideration of how he motivates players. He keeps teams, um, keeps that consistency level so high, but he keeps changing because teams keep adapting to him. But then he counters that. They play one move and then he plays two moves um, that counters that and so on and so on and so on and I think there's a lot of talk about how Arteta seems to be overcoaching players right now now we rewind back all the way to 21-22 before December where we started to see the changes of the left back and the left centre mid and the way that we kind of altered our system and the way that we played and it just clicked and then the season after that which is last season it just clicked and we didn't have any of these conversations um, and that's because it's results-based business, isn't it? It's a results-based yeah. business. So, but before that, there was a lot of comments about how Arteta's overcoaching the players. It's very rigid. It's very static. It's not good to watch. And 
we aren't creating opportunities. And I said at that time, and that's due to the fact that players are adapting to his instruction. It takes time for them to understand patterns. It takes time for them to understand movements. When X moves here, Y must respond and so on and so on and so on. But as you continue to play, as you continue to give that level of continuity to certain mm. players, it clicks. Now, last season, we had all that fluid football. We, were, we have now been analysed. Teams are adapting to us. And now we have to adapt again. We have to find a different way of how yeah. we stop them. And that's why you're seeing rigidity. That's why you're seeing that, that free-flowing football not as good as what it has been. And mm. that's okay. And that's why Pep Guardiola Man City notoriously starts seasons quite slow. Not in terms of um, it's still a really high level. They're still you know top um, top of the table or second at the very least, and then they kick on towards the last stage because they've adapted and then it's yeah. Quick. Teams need to work them out. Well, they need yeah. to work themselves out almost. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think a lot of what you're saying is bang on. And I, yeah. I, ju- I just think the with 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 we're almost. I think we'll look back on this period a little bit and say, do you remember that period at the beginning of the, that season where we just looked a little bit clunky? That was because yeah. of X. And I think the X will be, yeah, finding that adaptation. And I wonder whether we'll, we will with Arteta start a few seasons in the next couple of years quite slowly because because it you know it, it just takes time for teams to find different solutions. And and you know, City are a good point in the sense that if City are having a poor day and like we were having a poor day, right? If City are having a poor day, they can still kill you from a set piece. They can still score a free kick. They can still just get a moment of brilliance from Kevin De Bruyne. They can still have one of their centre-backs, you know, carry and drive, whatever. But actually what what I think separates us at the minute is a few a few sort of um, uh, holes in the squad. And we'll come to that in a second with one uh, who wants to talk about January. Um, a few few holes in the squad still. But also the proactivity of the, both the players and the manager to make changes when they feel right. And I think at the minute, it feels a little bit scared to make those changes, a little bit scared to go, actually, this isn't working. Let's let's move quickly. And I think you can see players like John Stones, players like um, uh, Manuel Akanji, players like Bernardo Silva, they take ownership in a game and say, well, right, this isn't working in this way. Let's carry or let's switch or let's press or let's whatever. You know, like I think and I, that is something I, I do feel we're, we're missing. Uh, wouldn't we? Let's get you on the stage. Hello, sir. Hello. How, How are, are you? you? How are you? I'm good. One we, th- I'm good. Go I'm on, good. Go uh, one thing I'm going to say before, like, my question, question. Um, The thing that you said about Gary Neville, it's as worse or maybe even worse in America with, like, Lee, Dick- like Lee Dixon is with – um, it was Peter Drury last time. Yeah. Genuinely, the sh- the stuff that he was saying, like, I think I was having a, a migraine the whole time. Like, <laughs> but he was well, talking about. I, I I get it because they're making a TV program, but I think the, yeah. the which is fine. But then this is why people come to to media like this because because it's less produced and people can see that it's a reality. There's not less, there's less less of us. There's always an agenda, but less of an agenda. And I think like I get it. But I just wish, especially when they're commentating. If you're a pund, if you're a pundit and you're giving your opinion, that's fine. When you're commentating, just, just commentate. Exactly. I just, don't need to hear do, your like, agendas. Sometimes I just watch it in silence. Sometimes I know it's weird, but like I, no, I no, have no. to do. But um, I, I was even though it's October, I I think like you always have to like move forward and like think about what you can do and mm-hmm. uh like for buying players and seeing how the squad is. I was looking at it and I'm like, 
um, what what do we possibly need? And it it was mostly on the left hand side. I was thinking, um, preferably like a wing backy left back because I was a little bit upset that we sold Tierney mm-hmm. because uh, we don't Wait, have that. To, well, oh, loan, loan. I I I do think he's gonna go, but like, yeah. I I do think we need that type because like um we have. The two, even though he's injured, we have two fullbacks that can invert. We have two center back fullbacks, and we have one uh, wing back uh, fullback in Ben White. I think we need another one of those. And I also think that we need a uh, left center mid, even though I think Odegaard can play that position. Like, I think we need to start trying that there. But mm-hmm. I think preferably it would be a left wing back, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I think. Um... It's always. I think it's going to be difficult for us to address what we need in January. I think um, David Ornstein said something that the budget is not going to be there in January for us mm-hmm. to do some mm-hmm. business. But if I did want certain things right now, I'd say I do think we need another dynamic uh, dynamic right back personally because I think mm-hmm. for me, Tommy Asu gives you so much versatility. But when you consider his best qualities, I'd say it's as a finisher as a right back if you need him in that game state as opposed to starting from the off. And we thought about it, you know, for the Man City game, how if the Jeremy Doku started, what trade-off are you willing to go for? Are you willing to go for someone who's a bit more assured 1v1 in a Tomiyasu or someone who's going to give you greater quality on the ball in the final third? It's a Ben White. Um, but if we're talking about if Ben White sustained an injury, I think we have a serious problem there at right-back. Um, and I do think Tomiyasu's performances at left-back, inverting as well, I think are very underrated. I think he's really grown on me in that, that role. And also as a central centre-back, I think that's his best yeah. position as in this team. So I do think we lack a runner um, to compete with Ben White. And I also think we need a runner across the forward line. I think there's a lot of links to Neto. I don't know, yeah. I don't know specifically who because I've not been able to watch loads of football this season. But um, I do think we need another runner. Um, someone like Martinelli is going to give you that ability to kind of stretch the last line. Because without Martinelli, I do think that this team lacks that, that level of energy and that pace to go direct I, and to stretch a team. so I do think Havertz can do that yeah. as a centre forward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, it would only be Martinelli. Yeah. yeah. J- just, just to go on that comment now with regards to Timber, I think Timber is a different solution to Ben White in terms of more an inverted solution um, from the right-hand side, but also from the left-hand side. And I think Timber gives you better quality on the underlap as opposed to the outside. So... That's why I would want a right back who is kind of mm. a similar profile to White in terms of in possession and that run on the outside. So yeah, I suppose maybe we're we're talking about a stylistic difference in terms of having someone as that final lane. You know, having yeah. having a, having a fullback who is in that final lane, which we don't have on the left hand side. Um, and yeah, I support it. I mean, the question is: is having that option, which it doesn't feel. I don't know. Is 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 that a massive priority for me in January? Maybe not. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Personally, uh, I, I would much prefer something further up the pitch. I think we're missing a little bit of firepower, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of true goal scorers, we are missing something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that's you know you go and get the Osman. I don't think you can do that. But someone like a Pedro Neto would be unbelievable. Yeah. It, it would provide so much competition and cover and quality and, and could possibly even start. So um, ahead of everyone's darlings. Uh, but yeah, the yeah, I, 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 I personally, that's not something I'm 
that bothered about in January, but I do feel and hear the the the, the qualitative sort of gap we have in the squad for someone on that side. I do I do hear that. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't me pleasure as always. Of course, man. You guys Thank have you, a nice sir. one. Thank you, bro. Yeah. See you soon. Yeah. Bye, you bye. Uh, I can now see your comments. Same. How exciting! I think, how... teeny, I think the teeny point was really good, actually, because um, if you think about how we are playing, how teams are, the spaces that teams are willing to concede right now, it's options. It's out wide. It's, it's out wide. And, it, yeah, and, it, and, and you know, we we sat here saying the problem yesterday was one dimensional. We didn't elect to switch. We didn't elect to carry. We didn't elect to shoot from distance. We didn't elect. You know, we didn't elect to go long until it was too late. All that would do is add another option. Now the question is, yeah. is like, is that su sustainable and doable from a business perspective? But from a sporting perspective, you want as many options as possible. Oh yeah. My yeah. my hot take that I mentioned earlier, and I'd be interested in uh, in what you guys said. I, I also want to talk about Odegaard as well. Um, I wonder whether the nature of Arteta's football and Mohamed. Uh, mentioned earlier, where was it? Uh, da, 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 da. The nature of his football, the nature of how ruthless the culture is, whether that's causing a little bit of, not anxiety, but within the players, I feel like I can see, and maybe I'm projecting and I possibly am, I feel like I can see a little bit of something, not scared, but there's a, there's a, there's a lack of desire to sort of impose themselves on the game. They want to be part of the system and a cog, and that's great, and that really works most of the time. But sometimes a game requires a moment of individual brilliance to break it open. Sometimes a game requires someone to go, do you know what? Let's go. I think Declan Rice can do that because he's not, He's he's got that sort of, he's almost established himself before he's come to Arteta, so maybe he feels he can do that a little bit. And I just, I, I know it's an easy narrative with Arteta to go back to kind of the, the 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 dictator thing and you know he's you know, robotic football and stuff but I do at the moment I'm looking at that team and thinking why aren't we being brave and why aren't we willing to take risks a bit more and then I'm saying could a part of it be if you if you have a manager who is so detailed and so clear like you, you imagine your your job right like or you know you're not you you Rohan as in anyone's job you have a manager who is absolutely to the letter, this is what I need you to do, right? Because you're aware they have such a vision and such power at the club as, as the manager, and they, they have the, the backing of the ownership, they have the backing of everyone at the, in, the, in the office, whatever, they are the guy, right? Would you impose your own creativity on it as much? You probably wouldn't, no, you you pro especially when you know what a, what a vision that person has and how good that vision is as well. But I think sometimes, uh, you know, and what's great is it sounds as though there are moments that they surprise him, like, for example, with the penalty takers. But I almost see with Arteta, he's like, yeah, I mean, this surprised me. Wow. With the penalties. Like, like as if it, it never happens that, pe that, that, that people do things that he hasn't asked them to do. So I, I just... I don't know. I, I don't want to lean into the dictator stuff and I don't want to lean into the robot stuff. And I don't want to, because, you know, he, he's done so much for us. And I think the goal of his football in the end is freedom. But I wonder whether an unconscious issue is, is that. And I think, um, you know, I've already, I kind of like uh, gave my answer to this in that, um, that previous um, point, but um, I get that perspective and I get, you know, that players do need to be more brave 
in certain moments. We saw it with Jorginho in terms of carrying it, but then you could argue that that is not the type of player that he is, and therefore he's not going to do that. But then on the flip side, and I spoke about it, how you go all the way back to when it clicked for Arsenal. You know, we saw the progression when Emil Smith-Rowe came into the team, Boxing Day, um, and then you saw this rise because we had finally a player who could play between the lines, and boom, we started to create more. The, the numbers backed everything in terms of sustainability. You can look at the league table from the moment Smith-Rowe came into the team, everything, and it, and it backs the level of progression. But it, there were teething issues even post that Smith-Rowe inclusion. And there were a lot of comments about Arteta is overcoaching the players. It's becoming very robotic and static. And then my point to that was the fact that you do need to give players sometimes just time to adapt to the instructions. Because once they do, they'll understand the movements, they'll understand the patterns, and then it'll become a lot more creative. And that's what we saw last season. But then I said, you know, when you get good, teams watch you and they will try and find ways to stop you. And teams have found a way to stop us in terms of that central access. And we have to adapt. And when you have to adapt, you have teething issues. On top of the point that someone made, how the fact that we are changing the starting 11 in every single game. We've changed the starting 11 in every game. Yeah, it doesn't help. Since, it doesn't hmm? help. It doesn't, help. Every, it doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. It, from FC Nuremberg, which is our first preseason game, we've not played the same 11 since that, that fixture. Mm. You know, So that doesn't help. You know, So there are a lot of things that are happening. There are a lot of processes that are happening on the pitch in terms of certain partnerships, new players coming in, new players who have done so well, right? Declan Rice has been incredible, but there are certain things that Thomas Partey, for example, can do that Declan Rice can't do. And that is, you know, when he's facing goal, Thomas Partey is going to commit a defender to come out of their block and he's going to play a more risky vertical pass that last season a lot of people were criticising, including me, including you as well, because it opens up the possibility of more transitions and turnovers. But that also potentially unlocks a certain space in the pitch that then allows you to create. You know, that's also something to consider as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot happening, and why I think sometimes you just need to give it patience and time. Yeah. You know, we are seeing we've we've we spoke about it. You know, there are things that we do need we need to switch play more when teams are are blocking the centre, which they're, which is what they're doing. Arteta, I think, needs to be more proactive in terms of the changes he makes. I think we need to be more open to going over the top for prolonged periods as opposed to just certain spells. Use the players that you have um, and, and and give them the best possible platform to thrive with enough time to thrive. You know, and that's yeah. going to the Kai Havertz point of he should have been brought on earlier and we could have played that way slightly earlier and who knows we could have potentially won the game so it's mm. there's so much there's so much happening um and it's one of those things where yeah i, I just think you need to give them and it's a constant balance it's a constant balance same um it's <laughs> it's, it's a constant balance between between all of these dynamics between creative like structure and freedom and you know managing your squad and giving everyone minutes but also keeping a consistent level it's not easy and it's it's never it's never one thing it's never you should play the same starting level every single week or you should give everyone a, a chance every week that yeah. the, the gray areas is where the nuance is found and where the fun is really and also it's just to quickly on that point you know last season right continuity was our biggest strength but it was also our biggest, biggest weakness. weakness yeah because the first 19 games we had a couple of injuries Good yeah. line. <laughs> there the, the, the were a couple of injuries. You know, Sambi Lukonga came in against Man United. Zinchenko was out a few games, etc., etc. There were a few injuries, but we kept the settled eleven. The core of the team was the same. You know, and that was so good because everything was fluid. 
all the patterns were in place. You could keep, you could, we did so many rewatches where, oh, you see that pattern, you see that pattern, you see that pattern over and over again. And when it's a pattern, you know it is instruction and it is something that the manager's worked on and it looks great when it happens. But then when you lose certain players who are so crucial to you, it's difficult for you to adapt midway in the season, bearing in mind you have a juggernaut chasing you as well. You mm. don't have time to adapt. Whereas this season, we are changing the 11 a lot. One, because we are trying to find different ways of playing and also trying to find, so trying to put ourselves in a situation where if we lose a key first team player, how are we going to be able to react? And we want to react in a way that we are ready when that does potentially happen. Bearing in mind the volume of games, how you're getting so many stoppages in terms of getting 100 minutes, 100 minute uh, football matches now as well. All these things are why I think Arteta is trying to prepare this team to be ready when it when the crunch time happens, when it really matters. And that's something that we did do last season. So mm. continuity, massive strength, but it's also, yeah. it requires a lot of luck. Because, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. 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 100%. It's a, a tough balance. Um, I've had a few questions about Kivior. Why do we buy Kivior? We're going through the season with, uh, with six defenders only, and yet we're hardly rotating at the back. And a little bit earlier on, we had one at try Kivior at left back and Zinchenko in midfield. Um, I, I don't mind the Zinchenko in midfield shouts. I used I used to be like no, but now I'm now I'm just like I don't know. Especially in that left eight, I'd I'd love to see it. If you had a, if you had Rice, Zinchenko and Erdegaard, Zinchenko on the left, Erdegaard on the right, and even Erdegaard on the, on the right. Uh, sorry, um, flip those two, Zinchenko and Erdegaard, and, and uh, even within game or or overall, I think it could work. Especially because Erdegaard's doing so well in terms of the duels, in terms of, you know, I think the lack of maybe physical robustness that Zinchenko sometimes shows or can show maybe just because of his height and his um, his gait and stuff. I think we'd be okay. I'm interested is what I'm saying. But then on the flip side, in the press, you're talking about Zinchenko playing, let's say left, centre, mid on paper. There could be at times where he needs to join the front line of the press. There needs to be times where he'd have to drop maybe and second ball. So you'd have to alter potentially something else because you yes you could probably say on the half turn between the lines giving you more more directness when he does receive in that space but i think off the ball that's the trade-off that yeah she's making yeah I, I, don't, I don't know i just i you know when you just you can picture something in your head and you're just like mm. yeah, yeah I, th- I think so i think so yeah. you know and I, look i think nothing should be Nothing should be off the table. We, we have a lot of options, though, for that role, right? You've got Trossard. A lot of options. You've got Trossard. You've got Fabio Vieira. You've got Smith Rowe. You've got Kai Havertz. You know, you've got Erdegaard potentially going there. It's a lot of options that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. um, it's and and also playing the left eight doesn't have to look as the left eight does now. You know, it can be it can be a slightly different thing where he actually is as involved in first phase. It's just he sits in a different space when he's out of, out of possession. So you know, it's not actually that that much different. And he can be given license to go forward even further and, and create things in the final third, which might not be we haven't seen much of that. So it might be um might not might not work. Uh yeah, back to Kivio. I really like the look at Kivio whenever we see him from Big Nugget. Um yeah, I really like him. I there was a shot of him on the bench um towards the end of the game, and I'm probably reading way too much into this, but he just looked a little bit sort of I mean, we were, we were losing, to be fair. Yeah. But, you know, like, he just looked a little bit disengaged and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm massively reading into it. But, like, I think... I wonder how he feels because he was bought in you know, nearly a year ago now. He's not really had a run of games. He's not really been given a chance. He's not been given a chance in the Champions League so far. 
he's not been subbed in. He feels a bit like an outlier. I wonder what's going on there. It was only last season when um, we finally took Rob Holding out the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah and I thought I predicted Kivio to have a big season. I thought Kivio would come in and really, really make an impact. I thought he was he would not replace Zinchenko, but play a lot of the minutes that Zinchenko. I, I thought play. it would have been between Zinchenko and um, and Kivio as well. But yeah. we've seen Tommy Asu being that that yeah. first choice. And Tommy Asu, to be fair to him, I think we should talk about. It. I think he's been excellent this season. Yeah, he's been. Top. I think he's been. I think he's been outstanding. Um, and you know, this is where I, I'm. I'm open to change my mind. I wasn't for Tomiyasu being that kind of inverted option um, to kind of compete with Zinchenko, but I think he's adapted really well to that role. Um, I think he's shown composure, and I think his two-footedness is really helping. There were moments where he was so receiving good. it under pressure in the half space, yeah. and just quick turn, laying it in behind for Martinelli with his weaker left foot as well, Some- and also the transition control he gives you. You know, that's that's the key. Something. Um- yeah, so, something Clive uh, Palmer said to me when, when we were chatting once. He said, um, he says, like, you don't notice it, but the one prerequisite of looking good in this Arsenal team is the ability to receive, like the ability to receive from all angles on both both feet, being able to do that. Gabriel is receiving a lot better on his back foot these days. I don't know if you noticed that. He's really yeah. worked on that. Yeah. His ability to receive it and like in, in from any any position through from the air, from the side, whichever, you know, however you like it. And Tomiyasu can just take it anywhere, mate. He's not got the athletic capacity, but he you could give it to him. As long as he's got his back, he, he can see it coming. He's going to take it and, and, and do well with it. So, and, and that's the thing with Tomiyasu, I'd say, when you look at his... Now, the, 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 the right-back role has evolved, I think, past the Tomiyasu personally playing week in, week out in the Premier League. But I think Tommy Asu, as your finisher right-back option, is an outstanding choice. As your inverted left-back option, um, is a choice that is really growing on me. And Mm -hmm. as a centre-centre-back, someone who can open the game up with both sides because of how comfortable he was both feet and how he receives, that's a really versatile player that you have. And Mm -hmm. I, I really like what he's been doing this season. And it's just a case of, you know, he's had a lot of injuries, hasn't he? And it's just making sure that he can stay fit. And then you can see the quality. But quickly on Kivior, I actually think, just thinking about it, how we talked about how Zinchenko's coming outside the block to receive because that's what the opposition is forcing us to do. I don't think Zinchenko's switches are as good as what it's made out to be. Kivior, Kivior switches, Kivior switches, I would say, out of our back line, top two. They're flat, they're accurate, and they hit at such yeah. a good weight that when the, receive, when the player receives it, which would be Saka, obviously, because he's switching from left to right, it gives him favourable conditions and it'll give him extra space. And I yeah. just think, I just thought about that now, uh, just thinking of Kivior, yeah. he receives outside the block. You know that you're forcing them one side. You've got an underlapping run of Erdegaard. You can switch it. He's very, very good in that aspect. So there's there's definitely a shout for Kivior. And um, I agree. I think he should be given more minutes because I've really looked, I really like the look of him. Um, yeah. but I don't know enough about him because I think I've not watched him enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you know, it just takes time for a player to adapt and, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, learning the language and all, all those things, and and you know, he's still he seems like quite a shy guy. He's quite shy. I think it was reported. Yeah, there's Rob Holding said that he like didn't want to get his picture taken it, and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, like you know, pe- people are different. You know, some people come in and demand a start straight away, and some people take time to to warm up, and that, that happens. Let's finish with this. Salvatore yes, says, "Is that the one you wanted to?" Yeah, so we're just in sync. All right, mm-hmm. iced out. Jesus, look at your wrist. Who? You. Me? What? what? Iced out. What do you mean? <laughs> as in as in the uh, the watch. Oh. <laughs> Iced out, baby. <laughs> uh, yet. Uh, Erdegaard has to be dropped for at least two games. You can't be captain and be dropping stinkers. And I think you 
said it perfectly. He's had a poor season in possession. Out of possession, he's been top. In possession, he's been poor. Yeah, it's my unpopular opinion this season. I think you're going on. I think you're going on. I, I, I've been, I've been really frustrated with him this season. I think he's been the one player that has really angered me. I think Erdegaard set such big heights last season. Now, again, it's not all his fault because the role has changed. Last season, we spoke about it. Erdegaard coming deeper, giving that freedom, helping us in build up, and then arriving between the lines just outside the box. The finish moves on fifteen non-penalty goals in the Premier League last season, and the level that he hit is ridiculous. This season, his role has changed, but also, and yes, that's not helping him, but at the same time, his usage on the ball between the lines this season, I think he's been so poor. I think he's I think he's been really inefficient with his actions. I think he's taking too many pop shots at times where I think he should be a bit more decisive. And Martinelli's been visibly frustrated many times where you're seeing a run made by the number eight to drag the fullback wide. You slip it into Martinelli, a, a stronger finisher, a stronger finisher, and you're creating a better chance. And these are moments in games where that are not looked at. And I just think off the ball, out of position, Erdegaard, fantastic. The pressure's high up, the pressure's in the middle third. The numbers support that, and you can see it from the eye test. But in possession, I think he's been so poor. And this is one of the criticisms I have of Arteta, is that he is very ruthless, but I don't think he's as ruthless with Erdegaard. I do think that the minutes that he's had this season in the Premier League, I think, his performances haven't warranted that. I think he's de- he's deserved to be hooked sooner than he has been. Hundred is what I'd say. I I, yeah. I think I think the reason he loved he loves Odegaard is obviously he's a great player, but he ru- I think I've said before he kind of runs his tactical stuff through Odegaard. Odegaard is is the kind of yeah the temperature gauge of the team when we we're wanting to press more Odegaard's higher up when we wanting to play a different way and link play Odegaard changes his role so he's he's had a very malleable role, but yeah in possession I mean you know I sort of said it earlier. It does. It sort of doesn't matter what you do in terms of the central access issues or how it, the the problems that we're having. However, you characterise them, problems. We're still still equal top of the league. Still equal top of the league. Uh, but you know, you know, we're, we're always looking to improve, right? But we're striving for better. Yeah, we're striving. Hundred percent. We can be better, and but you can't get anywhere if when you give the ball to your eight, you just gives it away. Like it, like it, it, nothing, nothing else. It, you can talk about anything. Bring Kivior in for the switches. Jorginho stepping out of the shape. Rice's role. Balance of the midfield. Like all of that doesn't matter if when you give it to your midfielder and your captain, he just gives it away straight away. It doesn't matter. It, it's just like okay, well, n- until we get the absolute basics there. And there was a number of moments where there was a moment where he just shanked it when he, when uh, uh, Jesus could have had a. Um, uh, there was a nice moment where he could have gone through. It's just a number of the attacking players against Chelsea were just. Week. I mean, and also, I mean, you know, you look at his best performances this season: PSV and Bournemouth. His role very similar to last season: coming deep, knitting play, then arriving. You know, this season it's more between the lines and in tight space. And also, I think due to the fact that he's not getting the volume of touches between the lines, it's therefore mm-hmm. making it a lot harder for him. But yep. that is due to Arsenal being marked in terms of teams looking at Arsenal. So you have to yep. adapt, you have to react. And I just think last. Yesterday, he should have came off earlier. I wanted Smith-Rowe to come on that side. Kai Havertz come on that side as well. Um, and we made that change eventually. And you saw a difference. You saw a difference. So it's not a case of Erdegaard hate, but it's just a case I think of... It, I think you do hate him. I, I'd hate him. <laughs> <coughs> Roham, was, we were talking before we went live, um, and Roham was just saying he hates him. And like he he has to keep up this like happy public persona that he loves Martin Erdegaard and stuff. 
but you 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 hate him. Sorry, it's out on the stream. But... I, I, yeah, but I just think just last thing I'll say on this is that I do think the numbers are hiding his performances on the ball more than you believe. Yeah. yeah. Ah, you're so funny. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Right, we'll finish there. Thanks for joining us on the stream. TDK Live every Sunday night. Uh, <laughs> you don't like to touch balls? So I love it. So, um, Yeah, we... TDK Live every Sunday night, 7.30. We're back after our international break. Um, check out the Different Knock main channel. Subscribe to the Different Knock Live. I'm uh, going to put some more stuff out on here soon. Ooh, plans. Um, and yeah, patreon.com forward slash diff knock and you can get it on a seven day free trial. My brain is shutting down. You can get it on a free trial. Uh, the rewatch that we did uh, of Chelsea, which was which was a good, a good watch. But thanks all for watching. Appreciate it. Keep it different, knock. And we will see you later. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.